Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast, the show that brings together Michigan's top cannabis growers, advocates, and business owners to offer a fresh and honest perspective of Michigan's cannabis industry. Stick with us to get the lowdown from the people who have been on the ground floor of cannabis business in Michigan and gain insights into where the industry may be heading. Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Basor, and today... We are back uh, after a week off, episode uh, 117, and a great friend of the show, Jamie Lowell, is back on to talk about uh, a lot of new stuff. Thanks for coming on, Jamie. Well, thank you. Always great to be here. Uh, cool, cool. Tom, what's going on uh, in Kalkaska? How's the weather? I mean, it's very much fall, uh, but it's beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, I was I was in Ironwood last Monday for the uh, 12, 14 inches of snow and 24 foot waves. So um, I can relate. I can relate. Uh, Kevin, what's happening? Not much. Um, the weather here sucks. <laughs> it's like <I> know. <laughs> 45 degrees and kind of misting. So it's like uh, I'm not ready for it yet. I've got a chill. I've had it all day. I don't know how to get rid of it, but. Uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, it sounds like we're going to get a break in the weather for the next couple of weeks, and it'll still be kind of warm, so looking forward to that. Yep, yep, yep. Nate, what's happening? Things are good. Busy time of the year, lots of stuff going on, but always happy to be here and uh, hear from everybody. Yep, oh, glad to be back. Glad to talk to Jamie. We got um, a lot of different things to, uh, to talk about. We're not going to have enough time, I'm sure, but... Um, you know, like to do a little bit longer introduction. Uh, most most people listen to the show know who Jamie is by now. Um, uh, and uh, but of course, uh, you know, uh, Jamie uh, list of uh, accomplishments and titles and things that he's done uh, could go on and on and on. But uh, of course, I first met Jamie in 2009, and we've been working together uh, either in the same business as, as owners or as activists or. Um, or as uh, now uh, works for uh, is the new COO of the Mets Cafe retail stores. Uh, he, he buys a, a lot of our weed. So I mean, just all different types of positions. Um, Redemption Foundation, Glenn John Sinclair Foundation, Michigan Cannabis Freedom Coalition, ASA, Western Michigan Cannabis Guild. So staying active as always, doing it because you love it, but and uh, really, really. Uh, Really glad that uh, you know you're able to uh, find a position that I know you're really excited and happy about, and, and probably the hardest time to get hired in Michigan regulated regulated cannabis industry. So Jamie, thanks for coming on. Why don't you kind of talk about what happened, um, how you went from? I know you uh, you had a couple years at uh, at Boca and Franklin Fields. There's been a lot of layoffs in the industry and then the search to, you know, to find this spot and, and kind of what your criteria was this time. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I know that I've, you guys talk about this and, and I've been on this show and we've talked about this before. Um, you know, this is an emerging industry and the way that it's approached philosophically helps to, you know, determine who can kind of make it through some of the tough times, I think. And um, we're in a tough time and that in large parts a result of the saturation and you know some of the other issues that that we discuss and along with many others some uh, companies are compromised some are letting go of people um, some are closing down some portions and uh, it's just kind of you know the the current reality of the conditions 
of the industry. And so I was involved in that. And, you know, about, I guess, three months ago or so, I got the call and, uh, hey, you know, we're going to lay you off. And so I, uh, you know, I had to begin a search to, to find something else under those really difficult circumstances. And on top of those circumstances already being somewhat difficult, um, you know, I had some additional personal criteria of, of the, the type of company and the people that, you know, I would be motivated to, you know, to want to really engage and, and you know, commit my time to. Uh, so very fortunately, it took a little while and a few conversations and, and that type of thing, but very unfortunately was able to align myself with Meds Cafe that uh, already includes uh, Josh Covert as the CEO, um, somebody who has been involved in many different ways over many years, intertwining with efforts with my efforts and our in, in efforts with Ryan and uh, very important. Uh, he's a lawyer, also very important you know, legal cases, uh, you know, uh, philosophies, uh, defense of our people at times. Um, big part of the history, very insightful um, person. Great, great pickup for the ownership. That's its own really good story, you know, with Meds Cafe, and um, to to join forces with uh, him and Jake, uh, Jake Hammond as the as the purchaser. You say we, we get a lot of redemption products in. Um, that's for a few different reasons, and uh, and Jake is the one who actually really orchestrates all that. He's just so incredibly insightful in that position that uh, uh, we're in really good shape there. And I got to be part of this strong team with the type of philosophy and, and uh, people that, you know, I enjoy working for and with. So I'm, I'm really happy. I'm just a couple weeks in, still a little bit of the honeymoon, honeymoon phase, but uh, uh, I couldn't imagine a better situation for me right now. That's cool. And, and, you know, obviously we talked a lot uh, in that two and a half months and, you know, um, I know you, you, there were some, actually some other really, really uh, good spots you talked to too. And um, what a tough time though, as far as to do it, but I may, I, I kind of, we talked about maybe what a huge opportunity though too, because you can kind of pick and choose. You can kind of see the companies maybe that, you know, that are going to make it through that and Mets Cafe just, uh, um, is, is very strong and will be around, you know, through the next nine months, two years, three years, as long as they they want for the for, for the, the you know the, the future right now. So um, it's nice because I, I hear that from other people that are that are out there as free agents, and some of them are just doing some brokering, some of them are doing consulting on growth, different things, and uh, they're like, well, you know, I got all these job offers, but I, all I can tell them is like the best I can do is is make it so you don't lose a ton of money. You're gonna lose money, like so. Like, why do I want to go work for somebody right now when I know they're they're done? You know, you can look at their pro forma or maybe their business model. And I've had a lot of those conversations. So very cool. Uh, what what was uh, maybe slimmer pickings because of your criteria and the time? But I think uh, what a great fit. So obviously we yeah. know Meds Cafe well. They're in our building, and um, and uh, you know I've uh, been sharing a building with. Uh, with Josh now since 17 and uh, you know Jake came in onto the scene you know uh, knocking knocking on the door asking to work for free as a college student so really cool to see yeah. happy about it really happy about it but uh, um, so tell us what you're doing with Mets Cafe like what what uh, as far as your role and, and what goes into that and then I know uh, um, me personally I'd love to start talking uh, get into some of the Chatfield stuff after that mm-hmm. and uh, I know Kevin and Tom got some stuff too but yeah, so I guess a general overview of what's been going on. Um, 
one of the one of the criteria I had. Now, just incidentally, um, uh, just to, to piggyback a little bit on what you said, there came a time after about two and a half months of not really making much progress, where I did have about three or four really good, you know, interviews and conversations with you know, uh, with companies that I that you know were seriously considering me, and I was seriously considering them, and you know why that happened all around the same time or something. I really don't know, but. Uh, uh, fortunately, finally, things did break loose, and uh, combination of the conditions at Meds and and uh, you know getting uh, getting things lined up first with them, you know, really came together, and so so that's how that happened. Those other things became those other you know discussions and and uh, opportunities became really good industry contacts and good connections and uh, uh, just more uh, you know information on uh, people doing things you know the same kind of philosophical. Uh, alignment is a lot of us look out for so it, it was the whole process was ultimately really good um, at meds there it's it's a story I'm still learning but um, uh, I, I really appreciate it and um, and it includes there being some turmoil and some need for you know people who have a stake in it to step in and and um, you know address some big issues and fix some things um, which they did. Um, that ultimately included bringing in Josh, you know, covert for the uh, uh, for the additional perspective and ability um, to help with that process, and um, and then to you know ultimately get things stable. And I came in, you know, after you know a lot of the a lot of the heavy work to kind of you know uh, get things under control, so to speak, you know, took place. So a lot of what is going on with me is is really fine tuning things, um, bringing things back into play that maybe didn't have the same kind of priority when things were still getting straightened out. Um, just recognizing certain systems and processes that could be a little more efficient and more uniform across the stores, um, helping out with organization, being a, a contact for uh, management and others in each of the operations to you know, keep communication going and to make sure that, uh, you know, all things are satisfied and questions answered and to bring in additional training uh, uh, to offer up some of the historical perspective as well as, you know, as well as very practical, you know, customer service, you know, type type approaches and to really work on fine tuning uh, an already good store. I mean, it's just a, you know, again, a really good situation and, and uh, that's really energizing uh, to come in and just be in support, improve, be part of a really good team as it is to come in and, you know, be part of huge problem, you know, fixing, uh, you know, strategies and stuff like that. So this, this company just, uh, as I said, the story unfolds. I mean, people with passion for this, with the insight to know that more information and, and uh, more support in certain areas are needed, finding the right individual and Josh to bring that in and get that kind of stuff started. And, you know, ultimately to have uh, 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 Jake and myself on the team with all these great managers. I mean, I start off with a with a uh, situation that is already on its way to to uh, you know, to really working out well, even under these tough circumstances. So I'm uh, I'm just I'm just really applying a lot of stuff that I've been able to uh, ascertain over the years and. Um, I've got a place, you know, to do it. It's just, you know, it feels good to be able to like, you know, synergistically work in conjunction with philosophically like-minded people and 
you know, produce something that's really cool under these under these circumstances, you know, especially as difficult as they are. So uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm in a I'm in a good situation that I'm very happy about, I guess. And uh, uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the major groundwork has already been, you know, kind of laid by the time I get here. And uh, that definitely works for me. That's awesome, Jamie. And I'm excited about it. Um, you know, I wanted to see you go to a spot where you'd be you'd be happy and can still do all the things that you get to do and, and want to do um, on your own, you know, time that, you know, we've been doing um, all these years. So, um, you know, I want to talk a little bit. There's a couple things going on. Um, you know, uh, it was it was found, uh, you know, the chat uh, uh as far as MSP funding and what's going on, um, you know, with the Native American bills and them trying to sneak that in there. Um, and then also, um, you know, this whole Detroit News, Detroit Free Press, Chatfield, GCSI, um, you know, Hervana slash well, uh, Arbor's Wellness, um, C4 money and slush funds and, and what's going on and maybe talk a little bit more about that because it's, I mean, there's, we'll see what happens, but this could go back all the way back to 16 all the stuff that we know that was going on and talked about and couldn't believe, um, you know, was nobody was getting in trouble for. So yeah. I don't know, why don't, you, why don't you start talking, uh, you know, like, you know, the Native American bills and what they were trying to do. Um, and then, you know, we can get into, you know, the Chatfield stuff too. Yeah, there's a little bit of tie into that too, just in that, you know, for me, some of the background on the Native American uh, bills is a uh, at the end of last session there was uh, work being done on a on a bill that would combine the commercial licenses the medical and the rec um that had been worked on for a while but it didn't come to many of our attention meaning maybe you know advocates activists kind of stakeholding positions um until uh you know later in that process uh fortunately people such as robin schneider executive director of michigan cannabis industry association senator Irwin. Um, would uh, would would let Andrew Brisbow and others who are you know pushing this bill um, know that the that uh, they should be consulting um, with more people who have a stake in this and you know this is a major change so there should be more input and and uh, and uh, Andrew Brisbow did reach out and uh, contacted Rick Thompson uh, of course many people know who he is. Uh, executive director of Michigan Normal, uh, amidst other things, and asked him to impanel, you know, a group of uh, representation of the community, let's say, or activists or advocates. And he put together um, a pretty formidable group, I thought. Ryan was involved, I was involved. <laughs> so, of course, I think that, yeah. Um, uh, some lawyers, Tom Levine, Matt Abel, Dan Grow, And, uh, you know, we had some conversations and we realized we were coming in kind of late. Um, our input, you know, uh, not enough time to really dissect things and that kind of stuff. But one of the very biggest things we were in opposition to was taking the provision to fund the Michigan State Police from the MMFLA, the medical commercial law, and bringing it into the fold with the rec laws. And the problem with that is we very specifically omitted that provision the first time around, you know, with a discussion and a purpose, uh, meaning that there is funds um allocated to state police in the mmfla and even though the mrtma reflects a lot of the same components 
of the MMFLA. That was done to like make it easier for both these systems to exist, you know, these parallel commercial systems to exist, and ultimately for the transition into one system, which still is going to happen, you know, at at some point. But we very, very specifically did not include the state police funding. Um, if it were intended, it would have been included. Uh, so that bill did not pass. I mean, obviously the licenses weren't combined. Um, it went through lame duck. We were also concerned that there was gonna be a move to raise the excise tax and then use the additional revenue generated also to, to fund the police. Um, part of our thinking at the time uh, took into consideration, but we believe the issues uh, that were being perpetuated by the police. Um, you know, the, the, the use of cannabis as a low hanging fruit um, to, for investigations, for arrests, uh, prosecutions, jail, jail time. Um, the war on drug issues. They there's a lobbyist uh, uh, or a lobbying arm of the of the Michigan State Police that is very formidable in the legislature, and they worked against a lot of our efforts for reform. Uh, the, when it came time to to really push the uh, legalization campaign, the the Michigan State Police and other law enforcement agents joined forces in opposition. You know, you know, to our efforts. So part of our thinking is these are the guys who have caused a lot of these problems. So we want to reward them with some money. And also we are legalizing cannabis, which means that the resources that they've been allocating toward worrying about this stuff can now be pointed somewhere else. So they, they, in essence, do benefit, you know, from this. And, um, and that was our thought. In addition, the way that the, that the excise tax funds are to be dispersed includes getting it to the counties and the localities where the, uh, where the retail stores and the micro businesses, which, which represent units of share in the, in the, tax revenue generation exists. And if they felt as though there was need for additional law enforcement or anything else that that, that could be handled that way. So when asked, when, when asked, when discovering that this language has, has reemerged in uh, a different bill, which is about uh, uh, working with Native American businesses and how that could be uh, you know, incorporated into the metric system and taxes and, you know, and, and how that would look and, you know, and that type of thing. Uh, the, the exact details on that, what that's going to look like. I'm not sure this, this also creates like a compact for these discussions to take place and not an expert on the bills themselves, but I did, you know, read the line about this funding and it is very broad in general and kind of scary. And so when I, uh, uh, started inquiring about it a little bit more. We found out that it, the, the CRA is the one that wanted it in there. And then they were asked, what's going on with this? And so while it might be easy to get caught up in thinking that this is a backdoor, and I, and I do, you know, so don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm that you know civil about it all the time, but like this is a backdoor thing. Um, they know that we didn't like this, yet they put it in again. It seems to be in something completely unrelated that's been kind of going under the radar. Another good reason that anytime the law is changed, it really should be reviewed by a large group of stakeholders and you know, not just within the small group that's working on it. That kind of exposes this again. Um, there are some things that have worked out well as far as uh, working with state police on implementing some things and enforcing some things at times and using the money from the MMFLA to uh, you know, to pay for those. And, and that has not been 
extend it out to just anything. You know, it's been pretty confined within commercial regulation uh, considerations and stuff like that. But when asked the CRA, they said, oh, we're just trying to bring these bills in alignment with each other, which of course, you know, immediately is an affront because we said we specifically do not want those things, you know, to be in alignment with each other. But then they say, uh, they also said that maybe the LSB just did it, but that doesn't make any sense at all. The LSB wouldn't take it upon itself to make a huge change in law that normally would require a supermajority vote of both the House and the Senate. But that lets you know maybe how naive the department is or maybe how calculating they are. I really don't know, but that was that's not really a, a thing. But the other thing that they said in response was they just want to codify what they've already been doing since 2019, which could technically mean that they've been utilizing funds without any real authority to do so. Um, and again, if all that stuff has been restricted to necessary things, to things just within the regulatory scheme, you know, that's not ideal. I don't, I, you know, I don't like that philosophically, but not as much of a concern as this broad statement. Now, they say that they've got these, they've got these operate, they think these uh, memorandums of understanding, you know, used as the basis for agreement of what the money can be used for and what it can't and, and all that kind of stuff. And that's fine. But that's not anything that requires a supermajority vote to change. Um, and so this house has already passed. I mean, this bill has already passed to the house, by the way. So it got kind of deep into the process before really noticing this. So ultimately, what we're trying to do is just say, let's at, at the very least um, narrow the scope of this statement to reflect what its intended purpose is, which means you might need the state police help in some regards for implementation and enforcement of the commercial regulatory um, system. And, uh, you know, and then if so, they can get reimbursed for it. Uh, again, not ideal, but, you know, fine in real life practice if those things are necessary. Um, and then everybody's happy and what's intended still goes on and, and that type of stuff. And I really actually thought that, particularly with the way that the uh, department handled the, the issue with the veterans research funds. And I'm not sure how much that was talked about here, or what reference people have to that, but the MRTMA um, creates the ability for, for up to the first two years of revenue generation um, to put $20 million toward research veterans uh, with PTSD and, and, the, and the, with the also purpose of trying to prevent veteran suicides. Um, and there, there was some questions about how that money was being allocated, if it was proper or not. And we engaged in a lot of discussions and ultimately the, uh, the department realized that it, that it was, you know, heading in a heading, you know, took more information is heading in a wrong direction and, and has agreed to make some fixes and started implementing some fixes. So I kind of thought, you know, just based on how that went, maybe we can, you know, get some rational engagement, explain the situation and stuff, but so far, and maybe that's still possible. But so far, we've been met with, uh, you know, a lot of defensiveness. So uh, that's where it stands. It's it's uh, not one of these things that we're able to get a lot of enthusiasm and motivation to get everybody really in. Right now, we'd have to focus in on the uh, Regulatory Reform Committee at the Senate and get somebody to make an amendment to this. It would just be so much easier if the State Department that uh, wanted it in there in the first place would help us just to make this simple couple line change. You know, I'd like to take it out, ideally, but given where it is now and what the circumstances actually are is known, this would be a fix, at least, uh, you know, at least more acceptable than what's going on now. But uh, scary as it stands, regardless of the justifications that, that we're, you know, that we're hearing about it. Yeah, just just always got to be on top of it. Like, you know, I mean, like you said, it even made it through the house. I'd like to uh, 
Um, kind of pose a question as us, uh, and, and, and why I'd said Chatfield is because, you know, he was pushing pushing that before when and uh, heavily in GCS. Linder and, and, and was working and, out of Chatfield's office back at those old reports, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and Linder, and, you know, it's all the C4 money, and, you know, they, they they got it investigated because of what happened was in the news. Uh, anyways, uh, you know, with him and his uh, sister-in-law and then the family coming and talking. So it's all unraveling. But, uh, you know, Tom and Kevin went through the licensing process back when there was the board. Um, and that was, was, you know, I didn't go through it. I watched every single one. Um, but it was hell, you know, for a lot of the, for a lot of these guys and gals that did it. And I look, I look at it, and we knew new stuff was going on. Um, I mean, you knew it. I, you know, it's common knowledge. Nothing was getting done about it, and we were just getting shit, you know, shoved down our throat. And and you guys had to had to deal with it and put everything on the line and and make it through it. And you know, that was when you know. Um, you know, some of the stuff that just hit, hit the news, uh, the Detroit News and the Free Press in regards to, uh, you know, Chatfield and a C4. And then also, um, and who's, who's a, you know, a guy that I like and know, uh, James Daly, uh, you know, and, you know, the attorney Ben Jaffe were, were in the article too. And, you know, about being there at the table and, you know, maybe donating to this and, and you know all these different things, and and the stuff that was going on with GCSI at the time, and you know information. How did people have information nobody else had? And that's just the tip of the spear when you go back down through the board part of it, which was with Rick Johnson, uh, Dobak, Dodak and Johnson, his old lobbying firm. Um, Meekoff had these huge slush funds. You know, they, I mean, there's in you know, it's it's crazy. It was going on. And, you know, this might be the tip of the spear, but, uh, you know, I'm interested in hearing from Tom and Kevin, just when you read that stuff and, and start seeing it in print, stuff that, you know, we talked about one day, we'll find out and it's starting to happen. Like, you know, what's your reaction? And, and you know, like just, you know, it's gotta be for me, it would, it would be kind of a trigger to be honest with you. So I'm just curious to, I haven't talked to either one about you, uh, either one of you about it yet. Go ahead, Tom. Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, I guess it half grab the popcorn, half um, I need some therapy. <laughs> you know, I, I feel the same way, Tom. Um, it's infuriating. You know, um, we put it all on the line to go in front of that board. You know, that board tried to deny my application for an MIP that I didn't report that I got when I was 17 years old. You know, um, they didn't have any evidence of me doing anything illegally as a caregiver, any of that other stuff. So they just went as far as they could to try to disqualify me um, as an applicant. Um, and truth be told, everything that they wanted to do, they did. They took advantage of the system. They got all their people licensed early. Those people then did their best to monopolize the industry. They um, did things that were disingenuous uh, to try to put people like Tom and myself out of business. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see this stuff start to come to light because we knew this stuff was already happening. We just didn't have a whole lot of evidence to it. So I'm excited to see it start to come to light. Um, and I'm kind of excited to see where this all goes because, um, I feel like we're do something, you know, whether that's a formal apology, whether that's some kind of compensation, um, 
no doubt did we get taken advantage of and put at a disadvantage um, trying to start our businesses in this licensed market. Um, and there should be accountability to that. Um, like Tom said before, I mean, I, I feel like we both have, we need, we need therapy. I mean, like it's, we have PTSD from these situations and um, it's not been acknowledged. It's just kind of been swept under the rug this whole time. So to see it <clears> out How about light, change? I mean, if anything, yeah. just change. And and, I, and and that, you know, I, I, I wanted to, to ask Jamie a question too, because um, I don't see based on their, on, on, on the CRA's actions, the state police actions, the legislature's actions that they are embracing change. I see more of the same and it's really demoralizing to see that we find these things that they do that are disingenuous on a regular basis in our industry. And we have a lot of people that are digging into this on a regular basis. Think of all the, the 99% of the rest of the industries and legislation that they deal with that nobody ever digs into and how corrupt that part is. And I remember when we first got into um, to, to lobbying for medical marijuana and for the adult use bill, um, there was analytics done um, on the state of Michigan and based off of their voting history, um, you know, across the whole country, Michigan was considered one of the most corrupt political states in the country. And as I've gotten more and more involved, um, it's, uh, it, it's, it's unreal. And it, it makes you wanna go just live on a deserted island with, with some people that are, you know, like out of touch with the world and just kind of create your own new world. Because the, way, the world that we live in, in this atmosphere, um, the cards are constantly stacked against the little guy and, and against us as citizens to try to try to do something successful and, and do good. You know what I mean? And it's it, it's 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 really demoralizing. So the uh, you know part of the issue um, is the complexity of of uh, you know cannabis, and uh, on top of what you're saying, we have to deal with people who are very well intended and supportive and. And, uh, you know, even like-minded to some degree, but uh, just don't have enough information to make the best decision sometimes. And they end up citing on the wrong side of history. And that's not anybody that had an evil plan or anything. That's just uh, part of the complexity of the issue. So we have to deal with that as well. And it's, this is just a really tough thing. Patience, if you're, for those out there, you know, considering getting more involved in uh, activism or advocacy, be prepared to uh, deal with a lot of lies, uh, illogical assertions, and uh, and and be patient and, and look out for those opportunities for incremental moves ahead. And uh, that's that's how we've been able to deal with this. It's just a tough situation. Yeah, guys, can I interject just real quick too? Um, I just started thinking about this. You know, when, when we did finally get adult use passed, I had some conversations with some leadership about using our momentum to have an effect outside of the marijuana industry and try to tackle this governmental issue at a more broader scale to um, mitigate these types of things from reoccurring over and over and over. And, and, and it, was, it was met with a little bit of resistance in the sense that like, you know, all our people are focused on marijuana and I get that. But um, if we don't continue to press forward and make changes governmentally, um, we're going to continue to see this over and over and over. In every corner, they're going to try to take an inch, a foot, a mile, um, until there's nothing left of this industry, just like every other commercialized industry in this world that is completely monopolized. Um, and uh, yeah, it's saddening. I would really like to see us press forward on more legislative stuff, um, like trying to um, address campaign fundraising and, and things of those natures, the, the corrupt portions of the, of the, the way that the legislature operates. 
um, and try to make those changes to affect everybody moving forward, including this industry. Yeah, and I, I do hope, uh, like, you know, we talked about these C4 slush funds. Um, they've grown in recent years and, um, you know, it's just crazy. You know, we always heard Linder around Lansing uh, brag about being, you know, the, the uh, you know, the dark knight of, of oh no, the, the, like the, the prince of dark money and all that stuff. And um, just kind of weird stuff, but it, you know, yeah, Kevin, it, it, you know, for, for, for a lot of us, for me, this is my, you know, the whole cannabis experience is the first time ever starting a business, getting involved with politics, you know, when you get involved in it, you know, your eyes just like, holy, holy crap, you know, this is how it works. And this is, you know, really how things are done. It was a shock to me in 2010. Like it, you know, it shocked me. And, um, I, you know, so you try not to get numb to it. Um, but yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. Speaking of that, is there any, uh, lame duck concerns that you do have, Jamie, uh, you know, lame ducks coming up? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think at large, you know, um, a lot of the, the MICIA as a representation of a lot of the, you know, businesses in the industry, um, the advocacy groups and a lot of activists, uh, you know, came together and did a really good job of opposing some of the unilaterally driven, uh, attempts by the, by the, by the greedy big money interests to advantage themselves and, and to hurt, you know, other activity, you know, kind of, uh, ignorantly. Uh, peeling back caregiver rights and you know and that, and that type of stuff so uh, uh, up to this point we've been pretty successful in doing that the problem is a lot of the horse trading takes place you know during the lame duck session that's after the elections many people don't have anything to lose and can be enticed uh, one way or another you know transactionally sometimes and uh, the fact that those bills are still out there um, some other bills are definitely going to be opening up the act and getting the uh, votes there's a there's an environment that gets created where some shenanigans could take place and some shit can get slipped in places and and that type of stuff. So that does remain a concern. If there's anything very specifically being planned, I don't know. I've talked to some lawmakers who have told me that they certainly wouldn't be surprised if you see some of these places making a run at it. Uh, I'd like to hope that maybe some of the fizzling of the MCMA energy, which is the you know the other industry association, which houses a lot of the, the big money interests that we kind of have, have worked against um and uh you know some of the controversy with the lee chatfield stories that are that are that are running on and, and things that they are connected to gcsi etc and you know um you know hopefully we get through it okay but yes definitely in those times it's a concern those bills exist they're in front of them people are going to be you know making deals well considering that uh you know the legislator takes so much time off all year it's interesting that we couldn't just make it a uh you know not an option to actually function after you know during lame duck and that's when you get your vacation you know it's been I mean? brought up many times that we really right. shouldn't be making law during that time with people who've got yeah, nothing I mean, to lose and, you know <laughs> yeah not exactly um Wanted, uh, wanted to stuff. There's a couple things I wanted to get to you, Jamie. I don't think we're going to have time, but uh, I, I wanted to talk about the, um, you know, the event that, uh, uh, you know, you guys are doing uh, this Hot List Friday with Men's Cafe as well. Yeah, man, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, the Halloween kind of celebration event for Men's Cafe at all four stores: Lowell, Manistee, Elpina, Rogers City. Be Friday. Um, a lot of it's four to seven. 
some of it takes place a little bit earlier in the day, but but uh, the, the bulk of it's four to seven. There'll be uh, many vendors at each location, discounts, giveaways, costumes, decorations, just a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it because I'm going to go hang out with uh, Rick Thompson in Alpena and Roger City on Friday. He'll be there uh, doing what he calls a public appearance for uh, redemption. <laughs> and uh, I don't get to hang out with him as much as I like to uh, as of late. So that'll be an opportunity. We'll be at uh, Alpena 12 to 3 and then in uh, Roger City 4 to 7. And, uh, and then, of course, in Manistee, there's a, a, a simultaneous fundraiser going on to help out Glenn, Great Lakes Expungement Network, which is a organization. Josie uh, will be up there. Josie will be there, and uh, you know, found the, the Redemption Foundation has well, helped to create that organization and helps to keep it um, funded and uh, just a really good relationship there and a lot of good stuff. And they just had a good run at, uh, at Greenstem with a similar fundraiser. So uh, we'll do that at uh, the Manistee Meds Cafe, and then Lowell Cafe will be will be uh, having all their uh, stuff going on too and uh, it's just it's gonna be a really cool night I'm looking forward to bringing a lot of stuff a lot of relationships and goodwill and really good products and all that kind of stuff together in a single night and uh, hanging out with rick so yeah uh, people should make the trek it's only uh, i'm in detroit area roger city's only like 250 miles away just come on up there and hang out with us uh, friday night <laughs> Cool. I think I uh, appreciate it, Jamie. And, uh, um, you know, a lot to talk about. Um, uh, I wanted to uh, get a chance to just let everyone say goodbye. And Nate, you start, but go ahead and shoot a question to Jamie if you have one uh, as well. But otherwise, uh, you yeah, know, we'll, uh, we'll start signing off. You know, and I, I appreciate your guys's the history and perspective on everything. I know, Kevin, you once said it, we walk in the you know footsteps of giants, and I definitely feel that way in a lot of things being a little newer to the industry. So, Jamie, the question I would have to you is, is the individual, like let's say the individual that just became a bud tender at a big MSO, and they know nothing about nothing, they like cannabis, and they're just, they're just trying to get their foot in the door. How do they get involved? How do they start asking questions? How do they take an educated approach so that um, they're not just taking the messaging that's been given to them? How do they ask questions, you know? Man, so, uh, you know, in some of those situations, the, I'm not positive, you know, but uh, it seems like there's just not the best, most up-to-date information available right there, uh, you know, for the butt tenders, you know, given that kind of support. Fortunately, outside of there, for anybody who's really kind of a little bit more uh, conscientious, uh, motivated to, to learn more, um, shows like this one, uh, uh, Smoke and Rope, like mine, Jazz Cabbage Cafe with uh, with co-host Rick Thompson. Uh, there are there are people and other companies to identify that kind of have it, um, you know, in the in the philosoph in the philosophy to uh, be more up to date and uh, with in, with information. And it's 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 out there. And you know, those discussions then help to point to you know other places of research. Uh, I guess. Uh, uh, specifically, there there are people such as Dr. Ethan Russo. You uh, research his work. You get a lot of background on a lot of the stuff that we that we discuss now. A lot of the research that has gone into, you know, making some of these determinations. And and some of it is should we believe stuff that we've just been told a lot? Is there substantiation for that kind of stuff? Even though we've all internalized it and kind of believe it, like 
the importance of the THC number and some of the labels that we put on it and which things actually have, um, you know, scientific conclusions that are associated with it that we could point to. And, and it's really interesting. And some of the information is different than what we think. And uh, I, I think somebody has to realize that there is, uh, you know, a conflict sometimes in information based on how we've kind of dealt with things throughout the years when things were more underground and couldn't be as researched or talked about, you know, openly as to, you know, what we're learning now, now that we can do that. And uh, those who kind of keep on doing, going down the road of not being open to the new information are, you know, in some ways kind of expose themselves. And so uh, it starts with somebody realizing that there is the whole new world of ways of looking at this and, and that we have a lot to learn, you know, about it still and kind of, and kind of like realizing that it's important to get up to date. Um, if you're stuck in a situation where you are getting, you know, bad information and you're not stepping outside of that zone, then I, you know, it's just not going to happen until it confronts, you know, until it conflicts with reality someplace and they have to have the conversation. And then Jamie, the last follow-up I'll have is, you know, again, for kind of that younger person in the industry, who is, is wanting to get the experience, but is if let's say they're wanting to leave a situation or go to a better company, what are like your top three ethical questions you'd ask them to ask in their interview? You know, could you rephrase that about uh, uh, leaving the... Well, I just, I just mean like if like a bartender or something's looking for a different job or looking for a different situation and they're trying to interview their interviewer a little bit, what are some general questions you'd uh, recommend they ask? Oh. Right. You know, and I, and I, so given that that person is, um, has some level of involvement awareness, let's say cannabis culture, just assuming, cause there could be somebody who comes in just totally, you know, green looking for a, you know, so to speak, looking for a new opportunity. But, um, you know, that is an opportunity to find out, you know, what kind of philosophical approach does this place have? What, you know, how much from, uh, you know, evolved, corporate approaches to things that take into consideration this emerging industry really exists within the thought process, you know, in that place and, and um, how much, you know, and that, that has a direct relationship to like, to an assessment. I'm not sure if the bud tender is going to look at this, but in real life to like how well that, that company is likely to fare when times difficult times, such as like the saturation right now, you know, comes around, uh, you know, how much additional practical, um, access to learning things that have value at large, you know, exists, you know, how much are you growing? How much, you know, uh, uh, if there's growing and there's opportunity, that's, you know, that's a good thing. And, and you might like even be okay with making a dollar less than you could at the next place over. If you think that, uh, you know, that expansion is happening, that the philosophy is in line with a place that's going to be able to maintain its composure through tough times. Uh, to figure out those types of things. I mean, I'm, I'm saying this now based on the experience I just went through too, you know, so I'm, I'm also projecting a little bit, but that can be applied to this exact thing. And, and people should, it, it, it takes though, similar to your last question, somehow somebody being aware that those are things to look at that are different than like something that's just really, you know, familiar and seasoned. Always great advice. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I know I've, sometimes I feel there's people with real good intentions jumping in the industry, real happy about it. And they, you know, maybe they went and worked for Skyman or something. And all of a sudden they're like, why is everyone mad at me? And it's in cannabis, you know? So like, it's, it's tough. Uh, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Tom, um, 
any final thoughts or questions for Jamie and uh, yourself? Oh, it's always great to just listen to Jamie. It's good to get up to date. You know, we don't uh, don't get a chance to see each other as often as we should, as we're all busy in our, our in our own thing. But congratulations on the new gig, man! I'm uh, really excited to uh, to work with you guys, and uh, yeah, yeah. I hope to cross paths more in, in this capacity with you, man. Absolutely. So, you know, and I saw there are other projects that we've talked about that I need to yeah. kind of resume it to put them on hold a little bit under the circumstances, but lots of cool stuff to do still. So. Yeah. Right on. Cool. Kevin. Yeah, thanks, Jamie, for coming back on the show. Um, like Tom had said, you know, your insight on this stuff is invaluable. And uh, for me personally, um, you know, I look at you as, as a legend in this in this this industry and, and, and in this capacity. Um, and to be mentioned at times um, as being an advocate alongside you and Rick Thompson and Ryan and and all the other legends in my my mind, um, I, I sometimes don't feel worthy of being that. But um, at the same time, I also think to myself when I hear Ryan list off your titles at the beginning of the show and you hold 10 titles in different uh, capacities at different organizations that all involve marijuana, it, it keeps me motivated to know that I could be doing more. Um, and anybody that's looking uh, to try to get involved in the industry, I mean, look at Jamie and what he's done in his scope of work. And, and uh, if that doesn't motivate you, I don't know what else will. But uh, Jamie, I, I appreciate you. I love you as a brother, man. I appreciate you calling me and, and asking me my expertise on things and being able to bounce things off each other. And uh, it's super helpful. So, so thank you very much. I appreciate it. If you're not one of us, man, I'm not making that call, you know. So you're, you're, you're definitely in. So for sure, buddy. Uh, underestimate yeah. yourself. Appreciate it, dude. Yeah. And it's no, taken, Jamie. taken all of our efforts, even if even the smallest one out there of all the thousands and thousands of people who have contributed in some way or another. It's, it's We're up against a lot, and it's taken all of it. So those of us who are doing it a little bit more, you know, understand that uh, without, you know, without, uh, without others kind of following our lead, it, you know, we don't push this stuff forward. But you're definitely one of the guys out there, Kevin, so. Oh, thanks, thanks Jamie, for your, for your work and your work. We we all we all appreciate it greatly. Jamie, any uh, any uh, final thoughts for the audience? Well, I, I guess um, you know, I got a lesson I had to relearn a little bit um, in the last few months is is uh, patience hope and uh you know just continuing to kind of grind away with the right philosophy and um as tempting as you know kind of moving off path a little bit and uh you know trying to trying to shortcut a few things is ultimately it comes back and it shows up and uh you know so to like I guess be able to like uh, hold out until I can, uh, you know, pull together all of the, all of the components to, you know, to be satisfied with doing meaningful work, uh, you know, is really worth it. And, um, you know, along the way to, to have a lot of patience and to be able to wade through all those contrary lies and greed and all the things that we, that we get confronted with, it's, it's a difficult task, but, uh, you know, those aren't the things to feed into. And if you can kind of like, uh, you know, I guess my own advice, you know, maintain, uh, you know, composure toward the positive things you're trying to achieve and not allow these other things to really distort, you know, that that mission. It's a tough thing to do, but uh, I, I, I firmly believe it pays off and there's a lot of opportunity for that in this emerging industry. 
Yeah, that's uh, that is great. That's great advice, uh, Jamie. Great example. I'm really, uh, you know, just happy with. I uh, couldn't be more, you know, thankful to Meds Cafe for making the decision. But it's it's good for everybody. It's good for the industry. It's good for them as a as a business, and it's good for good for you too. So uh, you know, that's one of those. Everybody wins, and uh, yeah, keep. And it's, it's it is interesting, and you know, it's public knowledge. So I guess I can say it. Um, you know, it's online. Um, just the you know, we've been through a lot, Jamie, and uh, you know, people. Uh, we're still here, and we're still doing the right thing. But like. You know, um, our old uh, partner that we really got jacked around by, um, you know, Wes Crumby, he just got hit with five uh, five charges of writing bad checks. So Felony charges. Um, felony charges, you know, and the stuff that we had to go through with that, that was, you know, uh, to pick ourselves back up after that one was, uh, that was a tough one for me. I know it was for you. So, you know, here we are still standing and uh, still going and still doing the right thing. So. Appreciate you, uh, you being back on, man. And uh, with that, we'll see everybody next week. Uh, thank you. Really appreciate it. The Smoke and Rope Podcast is produced and hosted by me, Ryan Basor, the owner of Redemption Cannabis. Have ideas for episode topics or would like to be a guest on the show? Contact us at ryanb at redemptioncanna.com. Thanks for being along for the journey.